Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Very excited. First week of football in the books. Get to break it down with my new podcast partner, Jordan. And I'm very excited about that. Um, with that being said, uh, we, we kind of joked. Maybe there's a little bit of a theme with this podcast. Instead of opening weekend, it was opening meh-kend. Uh not exactly amazing stellar performances from a lot of Big Ten teams this weekend. Yeah, there were a lot of moments. I think every game that I watched, I was like, oh, that's good to see. And then it was like two or three where I was like, oh, there's not, that's not good. Yeah. Or, so, st- or yeah, start meh to stop. It's probably the best word. Yeah, meh as far as total performance. Or there was a lot of start and stopping, you know, like moments of, Oh, wow. That team definitely looks different and better improved. Oh, they didn't improve there or that part got worse. Sometimes it happened in the same half. Sometimes it happened in the same drive. Drive. (laughs) Yes. Like it was, (laughs) it was stop and start. Um, But as Jordan and I talked offline real quick before we hit record, our goal here is to talk about how there are things that were, that were not so good. But at the same time, hey, it's week one. Let's not overreact here too much. You know, like we're we're we we got to give these teams, all these teams, a little bit more time. Yeah, we need to all need just need to pump the brakes. We're not we're not jumping off any cliffs. Talking yep. to you, Husker fans. Let's let's take a breather. Let's 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 settle in yep. here and let the week unfold and see what week two actually brings. There are some things you take away. Yes. But I don't think anything we saw from week one has to be the gospel. Like, that's not your whole season is this no. because you did this week one. Let's take it. Let's learn from it. And we'll see what progresses as we go here. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of that, we will break down the first team that you just mentioned right there uh, real quick. Uh, so jumping into the weekend, 11 Big Ten games this weekend, one on Thursday, one on Friday, eight on Saturday, and one on Sunday. All right, uh, that gets us to the Big Ten game of the week. Real quick again, real quick again. Thanks for everybody that stopped by the Amador tailgate. Um, truth be told, that got the weekend going on why Jordan and I aren't recording until Sunday, or excuse me, Monday morning. Uh, Thursday tailgate game, lots of fun, if you know what I mean. Friday travel four and a half hours down to my parents with two kids in the car. Saturday, tailgate game all day long, out in the sun. I'll get to that. Sunday, four and a half hours back with two kids in the car. Your guy your guy Greek was cooked by the time he got home Sunday night. Jordan was ready to record. I, I was not. Uh, and part of it started because of this tailgate <laughs> right here. We had an absolute blast. Great night. Again, Kurt and I recorded on this specifically. Broke it down a little bit, but definitely want to give Jordan a chance to uh, go through it again. So, again, to recap, Minnesota 13, Nebraska 10, the Gophers with 251 yards of total offense to the Huskers 295. Jordan, what did you see? What I saw was that I was completely and utterly wrong about this game. 
So if you remember when we talked about this, I had a lot more points being scored. I thought there was just going to be big plays all over the place. And I am formally apologizing to all the Gopher Nation <laughs> and Joe Rossi in particular. I underestimated your defense. I was wrong. I'll own that. But no, I think both of these defenses were were stout for the majority of the game. And I yes. was impressed by that. Um, Minnesota, like I said, I, I think I trust that a little bit more because of Joe Rossi. We'll see with Nebraska. You know, it's a new system. We want to see if they can continue to show that kind of stinginess that they showed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the big debate was, was it good defenses or bad offenses? I, I would say it was like something like 60-40 good defenses, not so good offenses. Um, definitely defensive dominated game. Um, both teams with exactly three sacks and five tackles for loss in the game. Uh, time of possession, almost exactly even. Minnesota wins 13 to 10. Why? Because of the stat that has reared its ugly head with Nebraska football for quite some time. And that was the turnover battle. Four Husker turnovers to Minnesota's one. Uh, PJ Flex says the ball is the program a lot. Uh, and it was proven again. I mean, that is essentially a lot of, lot of consternation from Husker fans about the refs. I thought the refs were pretty bad on both sides of, of, of the ball or, or for both teams, I guess I should say. Um, but in the end, uh, uh, tight game, fun game. I, I I feel like if these two teams played, it, it could be split right down the middle as far as who would win the game. Uh, but the bigger plays were made in this game by Minnesota. Shout out to Justin Wally and Tyler Newbin. Force fumble, pass defended, and an interception between the two. Uh, not all turnovers are created equal. Sometimes turnovers are come at back-breaking times. And those, you know, potential All-American, All-Big Ten players did it at, at the right time. Yep. Couldn't have said it any better myself. The one other thing I've had with Minnesota is, you know, we've always known the P.J. offenses to be running down your throat. I think we need to see them get to an identity here because it yes. felt like at times in that game they really wanted Ethan to sling it around. But yet we still want to run the ball. And do we are we the smash mouth without Mo and these running backs aren't exactly what we're used to. So I really want to see Minnesota find their identity next week and establish it. So that's interesting because that came through for you on the TV screen. Sounds like okay. Hundred percent. Yeah, and it came through to me and Kurt and you know the couple of the guys we we're sitting around what you know that we watch a game with live. That that was exactly what it was. I put a tweet out that essentially said you know, th there's no Momo, you know, it's been my, my joke. And you could tell, like, they just did not know what to get to. I'm, I'm not impressed by the Minnesota running backs. Again, we're trying not to overreact. It's just week one. This might be an even better Nebraska defense than what we think. Cali Manis did look good. Okay. Like right, right away in this game, my take was uh, Nebraska was geared up to stop the run. So Cali Manis had room to operate. They adjusted after that because, quite honestly, I don't think they were that threatened by Minnesota's rushing attack. But he, I wonder, he looks, I don't know how good he looked on screen on Thursday night because Jordan in, in person, he's, he's a talented dude. I mean, you can see the talent. Did that come through the TV screen for, for you? Okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. Most definitely. You can, you can see the tools. They're all there. All the pieces are there. We'll see okay. if he can continue to put it between the lines. Yeah. And then, like you said, I mean, you nailed it. The identity part. That, that's going to be key. With Nebraska, I, I do believe there was an identity there, but but then they got away from their own identity that they were doing a good job establishing in the game. Your take as well? 
Yeah, that you I literally that's the first point I had now. Okay. Why did you stop doing what was working? Like I I don't understand it. But we did get the full Jeff Sims experience. Yeah. I mean, what he had 19 carries and he had drives where he looked like this is the guy we need. And he had drives where it's and like we talked about from play to play within the series, where it's just head scratching moment and then jaw dropping moment. Yeah, I think Husker fans might just have to live with this because, I mean, like we said, if you saw Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, there was a lot of this with him. It was great, and then it was like, oh boy, yeah, in moments. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the same thing with Minnesota. We need to find a true identity with Nebraska and trust it and yes. stick with it. Yeah, don't fix what isn't broken. I I agree. I I think Husker fans have all the right in the world to be frustrated with their offensive corner, but in my opinion, even more so with, with rule, uh, because he could have overruled uh, Satterfield a couple times late in that game on Thursday night and just said, run the damn ball. Right. That's the, yeah. that's the mantra for Husker fans that they love. Gabe Irvin, seven carries 55 yards. That's a 7.9 yard average. We go away from him and give it to Anthony Grant, who we know has had a fumble issue during camp. And he, promptly fumbles in the biggest moment of the game, having, you know, Sims throw the ball in times where I don't think he needed to, you know, like he didn't, it didn't, it, if you're going to throw the ball down at the goal line, right. I I mean, you have to have passing a plays available, you know, when you, when you're in goal line offense, don't get me wrong. Maybe a rollout where it's either the guys open or throw it away. I don't know if I want Jeff Sims, looking over the entire end zone to try to pick a receiver out in that play because just throw it away, you know, don't give them the option. To me, it was more about Satterfield putting his quarterback in a bad position. I I don't know. That was, that was my take. Well, yeah. And that, that's what I was just going to say. You take away Jeff Sims's best attribute, which is his athleticism and being able to create something. Yes. You, you stand him in the pocket and force him to make a decision where now you put him out of the pocket and make the defense make a decision. Do yeah. I come stop him or do I sit back in coverage? I did, yeah. And, you know, we heard a lot of people like criticizing this Satterfield hire from Matt Rule. That was one of the few coaching decisions that we heard from a lot of different people inside and outside the Big Ten. I mean, like we said, we're not going to overreact, but this is a this is definitely a negative check mark against him after week one. Yep. And I think you'll see Sims better as the year goes on, but a growing pain. For sure, and Joe Rossi probably deserves you know some some credit uh, for you know for putting the quarterback under stress there a couple times in the game. With the win, Minnesota moves to one and zero. With the loss, Nebraska drops to zero and one. With a suddenly extremely interesting Colorado team uh, on the schedule next. Obviously, Jordan and I will break that down middle of the week. All right, moving into Friday night, we had one game that was on September first. Michigan State 31, Central Michigan 7, Sparty with 406 yards of total offense to the Chippewas, 219. Jordan, this was only a 10-7 Sparty lead at halftime. I mean, that was it was deep into the third quarter where there was still stress going here, and then Sparty took over. Is this just a slow start for Sparty, or did the Chippewas just make mistakes? What was your read on this game? I mean, this game played out exactly like I thought it was going to play out. I mean, Michigan State came out, and you could see it immediately. They were the more talented team. They had the better athletes, but the plays just weren't happening. You no, know, it came with a little rusty at first. Yeah. And then once the athletes and the physicality started to take over, and I think 
Central started to get a little tired and they just kind of got worn down. That's when you really started to see Michigan State really start to take over and then get the separation in this game. But to me, this is exactly what I expected this game to be. A slugfest in the first half where both teams are making mistakes and you see guys back and forth on the defense of Michigan State a few times where there were holes in that secondary and they slowly started to clean that up. They slowly started to become smaller holes and eventually took this game and, and put it away. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Michigan State was the better team here on Friday night. I'm a little bit upset. <laughs> I had 31-17 predicted, and Central Michigan was one of my more confident plays this weekend. Couldn't have got a touchdown out of Central Michigan. I mean, that's how close the cover was. You know, to I'm this... right there with you because okay. I had 31-15. Okay, so, so you would have been we were... even closer. And Central Michigan had chances <laughs> nope. to get a touchdown on the board. They just couldn't. They couldn't do it, uh, but that means we now need to pivot and say, okay, this Sparty defense looked a lot worse versus a lot worse offenses last year. Again, yep. I know it's only one game. That 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 was a much better looking Sparty defense. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't see uh, the stats I saw. Not one play. In this game for Central Michigan, over 17 yards. Big plays were the absolute Achilles heel for Sparty last year. That that had to have been a point of emphasis on the offseason during camp. Looks like it showed up on Friday night. I mean, yeah, it's been it's been yeah. the last couple years for Michigan State. That like, sure. it's just home run after home run. Um Simeon Barrow on the interior of that mm -hmm. defensive line mm -hmm. is going to be a problem. I yes. know there's there's a lot of good defensive line talent in the conference. You will see his name in a first or second team, all big 10 by the end of the season. I can fully see yes. it. this kid is going to be a problem for all the offensive lines that he faces. He is physical. Yes. His get off is just ridiculous for the size that he, I mean, I don't, I'm not looking forward to having to play him in here in a few yeah. weeks with what I saw this week. So he, great he, player. Absolutely. He popped off the screen. Um, Again, stole my notes. I had it right here. What I was going to say is, even if he doesn't make the play, he affects the play. He's, he's that type of dude along the defensive line. So he was a big problem. Which is, uh, that's a sign of a great player. That is a sign of a great defensive tackle. Um, on the on the offensive side of the ball, a, a bit choppy, I think it's fair to say. Noah Kim, you said it, slow start. Let me say, though, he throws a beautiful ball. Like, it, it is a smooth Poppy delivery, um, decent stats, 18 of 31, 279 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, if the defense looks a little bit better and the offense can kind of keep improving on the rushing attack, uh, the big the BTN crew stated over and over again that this was a much improved team. Just Central Michigan, okay, but I think I'm pretty happy with what I saw by the end of this game if I'm a Sparty fan. Yeah, 100%. Nathan Carter coming in looked good. Yes. The, the step up in competition wasn't didn't seem to be too much. You always wonder coming over, which I believe he's from UConn, coming that up transfer, you wonder if it's too much, too fast, yeah. if they're yep. drinking from a fire hose. Definitely didn't seem like that with him. He seemed like it was he had he was seeing the holes where he needed to see them. He was decisive in his decisions that he was making. So yeah. him and Jalen Berger can be your pair that you need. Now, the, yeah. the big question for Michigan State, which has always been off-season, is how's that depth look? So, you know, if injuries happen, we need to we need to see them, A, stay healthy, 
especially in the offensive line, and B, see if they can develop some more depth. Because I don't know if you've looked at it, but next week they got Richmond, and after that, this schedule gets rough for the Spartans. I don't – with what we saw from other Big Ten teams this week, I don't see a whole lot of quote-unquote – off days for the Spartans after this coming weekend. So they really, nope. really, really need to take this coming week and get better. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to our guy, Dougie, uh, Michigan State insider. He he must have good moles when it comes to running backs because he had told me about Walker in camp at, long before anybody knew who Walker was. He also told me about Carter and how good he was looking, and, and that came th- through on uh, Friday night. So... Sparty suddenly a little bit more interesting team than I think a lot of teams or, you know, Big Ten fans were looking at counting this Michigan State game as a win on their schedule. Might want to just chill out a little bit for that. I think this is a a, a much improved Michigan State team. Uh, and with the 31 to 7 win, Sparty moves to 1 and 0. Oh, all right. That gets us into our big slate of games, eight of them on Saturday, September 2nd. First one up. Michigan 30, ECU 3, the Wolverines with 402 yards of total offense to the Pirates, 235 yards of total offense. Jesse Minter was the head coach as as Khaki Pants was watching from home. Swanky swanky Wolverine, you know, pointing at the screen uh, every time they scored a touchdown. Um, I got to get two questions for you. What? What was the the story behind the formation at the beginning of the game, and and what did we learn about the 2023 Wolverines from this game? So the formation is an old school Jim Harbaugh thing from his first year here. They did they call it the train. Oh, you know when he right. first got okay. to, I when he that. got to Michigan, it was he was all about his little gimmicks. So they did that, and that was their quote unquote tribute to him because he's been suspended and the free Harbaugh stuff. And it's like, well, they kind of did this to themselves. I'm not going to get into all the talking points, but that's what it was. It okay. was their tribute to him. As far as what we learned, this is you know, the Michigan fan in me is really trying to not overreact in this game because I looked at my wife midway through this game and said, I'm really unimpressed with what I've seen so far from mainly this offensive line. Okay. Um, And maybe that's because our last two offensive lines have been so good. And this one, the new guys, especially there were a lot of holes. There were a lot of missed assignments. There was a lot of quote unquote leakiness in that offensive line. I mean, East Carolina made it a point. They were going to stop the run. Yeah, I mean they they loaded the box and said, you know what, you're not gonna you're not gonna run it down our throat. And Michigan wasn't able to; they weren't able to push them around. Now with that, JJ McCarthy looked good. Yes, he was on time with his throws. He was in sync with his receivers. I mean, 26 of 30 for 280 and three touchdowns. Nothing to complain about there with him. He, I didn't see a whole lot of bad decisions. So that I is- don't think this is last year's offensive line. Obviously, first game, we're not overreacting, but we there's some growth that needs to happen in that offensive line. So pre-warning to you and the Eyes on Big listeners, I might break my arm patting myself on the back a few times on this podcast. One of the things I did point out is I wondered if this maybe wouldn't be as amazingly a dominant of a Michigan offensive line as we have seen the last two years early in the season. Okay, another pre-warning here. But yeah, I saw the same thing. Okay, I, I watched this on replay real quick, and I'm like, yeah, that's there's you know, it's fine, it's a fine offensive line, but there's some things to work through. Um, maybe it's a communication thing. I, I doubt if it's a talent thing. 
something to watch these next couple weeks. But hey, <laughs> perfect time to work through it these next couple weeks because you know, I'd, even even bad offensive line play, you're not going to lose a game. But but like I said, some something to look out for. Uh, McCarthy was great. I thought Blake Corum certainly looked better uh, out of the two, and him and Donnie Edwards. I, I do think he's still working himself back into game speed shape. Is that fair enough? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, he looked very hesitant to me and people had, this hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but he'd never been tackled this whole off season. Yes. They were not allowed to hit him in practice. So he was going through practice and he was practicing, but literally it was just contact and that's it. You're not allowed. They weren't taking him to the ground. So yep. he looked a little hesitant and you could tell that there was thought in his head and anybody that's had a knee injury like that, they all say the same thing until you make that first cut and you make that first jump or whatever. You, there's always that hesitation in the back of your head. Yep. Like, is my knee still, is my knee really okay? So yeah, he looked a little hesitant, but he did have a couple explosive runs where he yep. saw the hole and made a, made a move. So, yep. Uh, I would say he's going to be fine. Give him a couple games. Um, but yeah, you would actually want that hit to happen soon. You know, next game, get it over with and move on. Roman Wilson, uh, six catches, 78 yards, three touchdowns. So is this, undoubtedly wide receiver number one who JJ is looking for when he drops back and needs to play. That was the talk that those two had really clicked well together and they were, they were starting to understand each other and they were seeing the opening before it was there in practice. Roman's always been talented and he's usually the fastest guy in the field. His thing is he can't stay healthy. He's yeah. been hurt the last two years. And when, yep. when you're, when you're banged up, your best availability is being available. So. Yep. Um, defense. I mean, three points uh, didn't even get, to, I mean, 235 yards of total offense. Anybody pop on defense for you? Um, Pop-wise, Ernest Hausman, Nebraska fans are going to yeah. hate to hear that, but sure. he he was fast, he was decisive, and he laid some real hits. The one, the one negative I did have with the defense was I didn't see a whole lot of pass rush. I mean, ECU, was they were doing a good job of trying to get the ball out early to avoid that. But in moments where it was drop-back passing, it seemed like there was a lot of time for that quarterback to stand back there. And that's been an issue since Hutchinson and Ojabu have left for Michigan. So, it's, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see if maybe it was more the quick game causing yep. that than anything. But otherwise, the defense, I have no complaints. Josh yep. Wallace, the transfer at that corner two, looked good. The fact that Will Johnson didn't play, all the other corners got a chance. So we we saw some some good things from them, but I don't think anything settled in that cornerback too. These next two three games, there's still going to be a lot of competition out there to see who earns that second spot. So fair enough. Yeah, more solid than disruptive, but in the end, a little bit less than I was expecting. Uh, might have played that stat uh, about all of the overs happening in uh, Michigan's home owners. That one didn't hit. That, that, that one missed. But uh, that's what that's what we learned on week one. With the win, Michigan moves to 1-0. and Moving from Jordan's team to mine, Iowa 24, Utah State 14. The Hawks with 284 yards of total offense to the Aggies, 329. Uh, Jordan, it was hot. It was hot in Pinnock. <laughs> uh, that was I was joking, you know, instead of Forrest Gump with the Dr. Peppers, uh, I must have drank me about 14 bottled waters mm. on Saturday. That's all I did. I just guzzled water all day long. And then shout out to to my old man, Grandpa Greek, on the way home from, you know, our tailgate spot to, to my parents' place. 
he found a perfect little patch of uh, of a cornfield, and and I, I relieved myself for it. It felt like five minutes. Oh man, um, so it, it a rare time where I was actually more hydrated leaving a football contest. Anyways, Iowa started out hot in this hot. game, just like uh, the weather. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, stat that is getting tossed around as it should. Iowa started with a first drive opening game passing touchdown for the first time since 1991 my brother Doug the Carthaginian who's in his 50s was still playing college football at the time when when this happened Matt Rogers I went through that pass I was good that year guess we even had passing attack back in the day um <laughs> but uh yeah a quick 14 to nothing um Okay, fans were feeling good. It was like, oh my God, we finally have a quarterback and some receivers to throw to. Um, what happened after that was the depressing part, which is Iowa then did what I would want them to do, which is to say, now that we've built up this game plan or, the, or this lead, the game plan now is to run the ball. The issue is they couldn't. And 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 it it it's it hurt it, it pissed off Iowa fans. Uh, what what did you see from from your watch? Exactly what you said. I mean, this was on the same time as the Michigan game, so this was my second my second screen, and I was watching. And then the first two possessions, I'm thinking to myself, "Oh man, wow, this yeah. looks great." And exactly what you said, it seemed like the offensive line there was just there was no continuity there. There there was missed assignment after missed assignment, and when you watch the replays of it. They were bad. They were blatant yes. misses, and it's just like an Iowa offensive line. It's it's it is baffling to me. I'm not used to it, and it's got to get fixed because you you can't win in this Iowa offense if your offensive lineman can't establish some kind of running game. It it was baffling yeah, but, to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's good and of course also bad to hear that assessment from a non-Iowa fan. Uh, I mean, you're looking at this about as neutral as can be. You're seeing the same thing that hockey fans are seeing. I mean, this is supposed to be, you know, well, it's tight end you, but right after that old line you, um, and it, it's looked, it's looked downright bad. George Barnett is the offensive line coach. I, I mean, at some point the guy needs heat, you know, and then it comes down to the, the Ferences as, as well. Their, their whole game plan is to put, the stress on the offensive line because they believe that can be the area that, that they can be a difference maker. They're not only not a difference maker. It looks, it looks bad. It looks subpar. I will say the pass pro looked great. The running looked bad, which is sub, somewhat reversed from, from last year. I also wasn't impressed with, with our running backs, Caleb Johnson, decent stats, 19 to 63, a touchdown, but that's only a 3.3 yard average i i i did think our running backs helped out our offensive line but i didn't think our offensive line helped our running backs even more so that is something that could get fixed it could be a communication thing but jordan let me tell you iowa fans are not overconfident with that from what we've seen the last couple years um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be happy about that going into the the Cyhawk game no. next week either. Like you, you would, you wish you had another kind of patsy to yes. try to really fix your bugs. Cause this is a big game for them. We all know that this rivalry, it's not a good time to go into that. So they got no. to figure it out and figure it out quick. Um, Somebody that did look good was Cade. Okay. These stats don't bore it out as much as they should. 17 of 30 for 191. 
much of the 17 for 30 part was drops. It was Cade putting it on the receivers. Our joke, but a a somewhat serious joke, is that, I'm, Jordan, I'm serious. I don't think our receivers are used to the ball being delivered. So, I'm serious. So quick and and right there. Because we were joking. you were We were like, you know who doesn't have a, jo- uh, a drop? Eric Hall. Maybe because he's used to the ball being delivered when it was, other than Luke Lachey, who actually had a drop himself. Saw that a lot, so that's something that definitely can get cleaned up. Uh, he, he deserved better stats. There was another touchdown that was dropped in this game, and Iowa had to settle for a field goal. That was right there. That stuff has got to get cleaned up and, and in a hurry. And then the other thing, too, is he's not healthy. Uh, you could see times when he wanted to take off and run the ball. Nobody's expecting Cade to have 14 carries for 70 yards in a game. We expect him to scurry for a first down two to three times a game, you know, when, when on a second and six type of deal. He just couldn't do it. I see these offenses all over the place where that is a huge part of the offense, you know, is a, a quarterback just, just making a play with his legs. Florida State, LSU last night, that was 80% of the offenses were quarterbacks running around. I hope Kate can get healthy because if his legs are available, it's something that will help this offense out quite a bit. And he hopefully can see yeah, that. He's, he's never been that dynamic runner, but he's always been good at knowing where the pressure's coming from, getting yes. away from it. And he's not going to get you 15 to 20, but he can get you six to eight. Yes. And that keeps your offense on schedule. He's always been good at that. So if there is something with that knee or the muscle or whatever's going on, you hope that he can get that straightened out because that that does that takes some more pressure off your offensive line Huge. because they're not always in those long yardage situations, the third and sevens, the third and eights, the third and nines. Yes, and I would say part of the reason our pass pro looked better was because of Cade. Uh, there was two or three different times where Cade got away from pressure, and I turned to my brother, Darren the American, and we both said, eight-yard sack, if that's Petrus. You know, that we just that's, – that's taken out of this offense – on the other side, the defense looked pretty good, not great. Um, we had a quarterback out. Jack Campbell is still not going to – he's not available anymore. But I just want to say, Jay Higgins, linebacker, 16 tackles, 12 solo tackles. Shout out to my guy, Jay Higgins. He's a Hawkeye favorite. That's the type of guy that could have left, you know, because he's sitting behind an All-American. He stays, he's got his time. So big, big fan. Uh, but – but um, uh, Utah State quarterback Cooper Lagasse, like that guy was good. Okay, like there were times where the only place the ball could go, it went, and it went right where it needed to be. He, I, I do think he, he looked good. The defense in general looked pretty good, but something I also believe that I was correct about is this defense will be fine this year, but not as good as Iowa has been spoiled with the last two years, and I think we started to see that on Saturday. You literally stole my notes here. Yeah, I wrote D was fine. I fully trust Phil Parker to fix what little leaky issues were there. This this defense is going to be fine. They're going to, like you said, I don't expect them to be what they've been the last couple of years, but they're going to be just fine. They're going to keep these games. All these games will be kept close, and they'll they'll be in the game because of this defense. I, I have no doubts about it. Yep. It's going to look a little different this year, though. With the win, yep. Iowa moves to 1-0. and Next game up, possibly our game. Of the weekend, it's it's either this one or another one. Fresno State thirty nine, Purdue 
35, the Boilermakers with 363 yards of total offense to the Bulldogs, 487. Back and forth game, I mean, like like crazy. Uh, basically, 7 7-7, 14-7, 14-14. It was 21-17 at half. 28-17 immediately to start the second half with a 98-yard kickoff return by Tyrone Tracy. So 28-17 lead to start the half. Purdue didn't turn the ball over in this game. Still found a way to lose. Little crazy start uh, uh, for, for, for Walters. What's your take on what you saw out of this game? You know, I went, I was, I was watching, this was on the third screen with the yeah. Michigan and the yeah. Iowa games. So I, I had decent eyes on it and I've gone back and, and rewatched this in the, the sped up version of it. The defense just doesn't seem like they're understanding completely yes. what Ryan Walters wants. Yeah. So I, I I was curious about that. And I went and looked at Illinois last year. There was one game. It was a cakewalk. I forget who it was. But the other two games, they gave up like 53 points in those first three games. And then after that, Illinois proceeded to average 13 points per game allowed as a defense. So and, and to be clear, to be time. clear, are you talking 2021 when Walters first got there or I was just strictly looking at last year. So I did okay. not look at 21. I was looking at last year, but, it, the, but I think my point still holds true here the, because there are still new pieces to it. His defense takes some time for these players to fully grasp what he wants to do because what they're not running is super complex, but it's very detailed and you have to be disciplined and good at what you're doing. Similar to what Phil Parker does. You want, you have to be in what you're doing. So I'm not completely shocked that yeah. there were leakiness and issues with this defense. I do. We, it needs to be better. It can't be that bad. 487 no. yards against any team that's not, you know, a Fresno team that's uh, that's a Mountain West team. That can't happen. It's got to be better than that. So I, I'm curious to see as these couple of weeks go if this defense fixes some of that. Yeah. The mistakes no, and leakiness because traditionally Ryan Walters – his defenses get better and better and better as the year goes. So. I think that's an excellent point. And I interrupted you with the 2021. The thing is, that's exactly what happened in 21. The defense was not very good the first six games of the year. The last six games of the year, they were a lot better. And then to add to that, there were Purdue guys dropping like flies in this game. They, they were pulling off a Purdue defender, cramps, injury, whatever, almost the entire game. So there was a lot getting thrown at them with this game. I also want to say this is a well-coached team. All right. Tedford has been around forever. Mikey Keene looked good. Like this is one team like because of this game, you maybe just keep your eyes out on Fresno state. Like we don't know this, this could wind up being a 11 and two team. Okay. Then suddenly you look back and say, okay, you know, Walter's first game, this was against a amazing team. If this was just a bad Mountain West team, you know, or Mac team or whatever, maybe Purdue wins the game. We're not having this conversation. It's just, it's just something I'm I'm kind of wondering about. Um, flipping over to Purdue though, uh, Hudson Card, I think for the most part was as advertised, 17 of 39. Not the greatest completion percentage. Okay, so not exactly on board. 254 yards, two touchdowns, but. You saw the talent there with Hudson Card. He, I do think he's a great fit 
for 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 what this offense wants to do. And and Eisman candidate Dion Burks, four catches only, but he made, he made most out of them. 152 yards, two touchdowns, one of them being an 84 yarder. Big big Saturday for Dion's Jordan. Uh, yeah, this, oh, this past now. weekend. <laughs> do you believe me now? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I I felt like I mean when you have. 363 yards of offense and and 35 points. Your offense has done the job. Um, so I I most of the explosiveness we thought we'd see with, with Purdue, I think we saw. Yeah, we wanted to see some weapons besides TJ Sheffield, and Deion Burke comes right out and gives it to us. I think Hudson Card was exactly what you wanted him to be. What we were just talking about with Caden McNamara, he was able to keep plays alive and get little bits and here and there when he could. I think the offense will be fine, which I was surprised. I was worried about that offense losing all the stuff that they did. But they still have Devin Mockery back, and now it looks like maybe two good pass catchers at least with that yep. offense to help them going forward. Yeah, I think they got a couple tight end weapons too. Mockaby, pretty good, 16 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown rushing, 30 carries, 109 yards, decent. Offensive line moving all around their best uh, player. Their center was out for this game. Still didn't give up a sack, so that's that's pretty impressive. Maybe that's you know a, a conversation on Fresno State's front seven. I don't know. In the end, uh, disappointed if you're a Purdue fan that you didn't win the game. Only loss for the Big Ten the entire weekend out of conference would have been nice to to be with the Pac-12 as being the only undefeated uh, conferences this this opening weekend. But it's it's explainable, I guess, is, is what I'm going to say on why Purdue lost this game. Perhaps even more explainable if Fresno State winds up being, you know, a pretty good team. With the loss, Purdue drops to 0-1, uh, and we move on. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, need, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. We move into the afternoon. This is, uh, this is an interesting one to break down. I'm kind of interested in your, your thoughts here. Ohio State 23. Indiana, three. Okay. Buckeyes, 380 yards of total offense. The Hoosiers, 153. Okay. Um, first of all, a lot of weirdness feeling from this game. First of all, CBS crew, Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, calling a non-SEC game. Just almost gives me the EBGBs. Just, just, not... it, warm, it warms the cockles of your heart a little bit, doesn't it? And at the same time, makes them feel greasy. I don't know. It, I, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to with that. Another oddity, 10 to 3 at halftime with this game. Um, Breckmeyer pat myself on the back uh, again here. I was pretty adamant about Indiana's defense being improved. Ish concerns that I had with Ohio State's offense. And I told lots of people. I like Indiana plus 30.5 here. That's way too many points for an Ohio State team that needs to figure some things out. That's what we got. I, I mean, up to you who you want to start with. What's what's your what's your main takeaway here? Well, I think we, let's go. We got to go with the, the Ohio State did win the game. So we'll we'll start with them. 
this offense, it to, it to me, it didn't look like Ryan Day trusted Kyle McCord early in that game. Okay. All the passes that I saw were simple checkdowns or crossing routes and stuff over the middle. And I don't know if that was a product of Indiana's defense sending the pressure that they were doing, the offensive tackles at times being turntables and just allowing people to go. I mean, Andre Carter was living in the backfield for a while there. Hey, did hey did your boy say blitz and blitz some more? And and they but did. I saw they did. They they sent the pressure. I mean, I don't think Kyle McCord was bad. No. I think you you have the standard of what Ohio State quarterbacks have been, and that's where all this uproar is. Oh, we didn't CJ Stroud ain't walking through that door. Yep. Okay. He's not. And the biggest question I had was because McCord wasn't great and he wasn't bad. Why didn't we see more of Devin Brown? He came in for one series, handed the ball off three times, and then you didn't see him until late in the game. So is this really a quarterback yeah. battle? Was it Kyle McCord really had it and we didn't want somebody to TP? What's going on? Because yes. there's so many questions. This wasn't the Ohio State offense that we've seen. And the whole reason that this was my Amador lock of the week was because I figured you've got these two quarterbacks. You're going to want them both to throw the ball and see who wins it. And yeah. they didn't do any of it. it no. it's so Because it wasn't available. I come away from this game with Ohio State's offense. I have more questions with that than any other situation in the Big Ten right now. Because right. their fan base is saying national championship or bust. That offense will not win you in a national championship with how it well, played. Well, okay. Okay. All right. Pump the brakes. I think... I think Jordan's showing his Michigan fandom here a little maybe, bit. Maybe a little bit. Maybe hey, just be, a your, bit. be yourself, bro. Be yourself. Um, everything you just said, I think I agree. Like, I'm at like the 80 percentile with a lot of what you said. I, I don't know if I'm okay. So, something I said during the Ohio State team preview. What happens if this is actually a rushing team and defensive, defensively led? What what happens? Well. I think Ohio State can win a lot of games, maybe all of their games, if they just lean on that defense and and rushing attack, okay? The offensive line did not look good across the board. It looked better opening up holes. The running backs looked better taking, taking advantage of the holes. I think that's what you do until your tackles and your quarterbacks start to get their, their feet underneath them a little bit. I'm not saying the rushing attack was incredible, but I mean, 31 carries 143 yards. That's a 4.6 yard average against a big 10 defense. Okay. Like we'll get to Indiana. This, I, I think this is a pretty good defense, much improved. So like they deserve some credit, but I mean, Marvin Harrison and double E five catches, 34 yards. I don't know what the, Vegas line was on total yards and catches that they were going to have going to this game. And uh, uh, that was, that wasn't a third of what it would have been set at probably not even a quarter, Um, but a sack only one sack, but six TFLs. That's what day has got to lean on here early as the, the quarterback and pass pro develops. Does he have the ability? I know he has the ability. Can he make the commitment? Is what I should say to and do get out of his that. own way. And I, it is intriguing. Is, is I have said it all off season. Had he last year in that Michigan game kept running the ball, we lose that game last year because they were running the 
ball, but he went away from it. So Ryan Day's got to – like, I agree 100% because their best running back was Chip Trainum. Yeah. The kid that last year transferred from Arizona State, he was running hard. He was finding holes. I mean, Travion and Mayan Williams are both excellent backs, but I thought Trainum looked best out of the three of them. I let, – let's just there, – there's going to be a talented running back available. Okay. Travion Henderson, he's not your – stalwart like I don't that's not the guy I want starting the game out I, that's my guy that is my change of speed guy that pops a play so he he has a role and I, I think he's good at his role but I agree the other two should be the guys that enforce your will on the other side no sacks though for Indiana's defense five tackles for losses but holy cow was the secondary and linebackers active I mean the whole defense was was active uh, uh, Alan Crazy Tommy was just like, we're going to attack and see what happens, and and it worked. There's not much to point out <laughs> for offensive stats for Indiana. I mean, Storsby got the start, 8 of 15 for 58 yards, but no picks, you know, no touchdowns, no picks. They couldn't run the ball. Indiana's offense was getting ridiculed. I I, I think Indiana's offense will look better as, as, you know, the next couple games go on. You have got to give Credit to Ohio State's defense, but in the end, I, I think you saw a much improved Hoosier team. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do here these next couple games with with much more winnable games. Yep, I agree 100. Uh, Aaron Casey only had only got nine tackles and two assists. He was involved in a whole lot more plays yes. than just that. That guy was everywhere, and. I think, like you said, Indiana's offense, it didn't look great. There's a lot of talent on that Ohio State defense and their secondary, which was the big concern last year, I thought looked better. Didn't yes. see receivers running open. So that that's that's a positive sign for the Buckeyes. Now, we'll yeah. see, like we said, the, the schedule, and we don't react. We're going to let, let everything progress. But the signs as an Ohio State fan, you have to feel a little bit encouraged. Your defense looked a whole lot more stout yes. than what it did towards the end of the year last year. The Ohio State game plan on defense was not let Indiana run the ball and take away Jalen Lucas. Extremely successful Effective. with that. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, Ohio State moves to 1-0. Indiana drops to 0-1. But the rarity of the losing team feeling better about themselves and the winning team feeling worse about those selves, themselves. Those things happen. 100% agree. Yep. Those things happen sometimes. Next game up, Wisconsin 38, Buffalo 17. Dang near Nailed this score as well. The Betchers with 503 yards of total offense. I believe that's our high for the weekend. The Bulls with 316 yards of total offense. This was just a 14 to 10 lead for the Betchers at halftime. You know what? I got some notes here. I'm going to shut up. You you go. You you tell me first, and then I'll go from there. I was also very close on this game. I had it third. I had it thirty-two eighteen. So thirty-eight seventeen. I was very, oh. I was very, very wow. close nice. also on this game. Nice. Okay. Um. The the my takeaway is let's start with the offense. Um, pace and space really seems to be look nice on the Badgers. I think the law offices of Shea Louis and Braylon Allen really <laughs> enjoyed not having completely loaded boxes when you have the two combined for 30 touches, 298 yards, and four touchdowns. I'm nominating them for Eisman as a tandem this week yes. because that there were holes all over the place, and they made it count when they were there. Those guys looked fast, and the offense, to me, looked great. Defensively, it's not a Leon hard defense, but it was still stout, tough defense. They 
I didn't see a whole lot of concerns from a Buffalo team that I think is a pretty good Mac team. Yeah. I don't think that's a bottom half of no. Mac team. So fully, fully impressed with Wisconsin. I, If you remember, this is one of the teams I came in with more question marks. I really was curious what this would look like. I'm pleased with what I saw from Wisconsin top to bottom. This would be my second best performance for a Big Ten team this week, if you were okay. to tell me. I, I would take Wisconsin as the second best overall performance from a big 10 team this week okay and i think i can predict who your number one is we haven't broke we'll that get, team we'll down get there yet. yep yep that's what i think okay yeah it sounds like you're closer to me um uh i feel like the badgers are getting a little bit more ridicule on twitter than they deserve uh most of it's probably coming from this minnesota and iowa fans to be to be completely fair Locking. yeah um i will say it was it was clunky which is what you would expect from the first time running this offense when the bullets are actually flying. That was why I predicted, again, pat myself on the back, uh, close to what the score was in Buffalo and the points. It was one of my more confident plays this weekend. Why? Buffalo's not bad. Okay, not a, not a bad team. Somebody that, not not 10-2, and two, but they could be a 8-4, and 7-5 and five team. So if you don't bring your A game and you play, in, let's just say, an 8-4 and four MAC team, that, that this is what you see, you okay? Right? Yeah, you, you know, I'd expect Wisconsin to win, but closer yeah. than that. Um, the the rushing attack. What was interesting is when when the you know the the times got tough, they just said, "Well, let's just run the ball." Okay, Braylon Allen was Braylon Allen. I think what we saw was a healthy Chaloui. Like we haven't seen a healthy Chaloui. Yeah, he looked fast. He, he he the the guy with the chef's name. It was cooking. Okay, he was cooking. <laughs> he was cooking. Nice. So those two looked amazing. On the other side, Tanner Mordecai, um, again, try not to do week one overreactions. Can't really give you wide receiver stats that pop off the screen. It was just kind of spread around and was what it was. He needs to not throw the ball to the other team as much. Okay. Like just, and he's a little, he's a little squatty, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a little, a little nervous uh, against some of these bigger, big defensive lines. So, that's my that's probably my number one concern and then the defense there's available yards okay like there's just so many times jordan and maybe i'm looking at this more as you know from an iowa fan point of view but you just looked at that wisconsin defense and you're like how in the bleep do you run the ball against this team how in the bleep do you you know this it's it's a work in progress on the defense like wisconsin overs as crazy as it sounds might be the thing I just threw up in my mouth a little I bit. I know. I know. You guys should have seen Jordan's eyes right there. But that that's what I saw. Going to be interesting to see these next couple of weeks. But a, a overall fun game and fun team to watch. Yeah, Tanner Mordecai had a lot of that at SMU. You know, he went. He comes from a system where you he threw it a lot, and he was asked to throw it a lot. So there were times where he was throwing it to the wrong color jersey. So he'll he'll have to shake that out. And it's just like we talked about. With Michigan State and that up transfer, he's coming up in a competition, so he's going to yep. see a whole lot more stiff defenses than what he saw down at SMU. Absolutely. But in the end, you got what you needed. Didn't get the cover, but still overall good, and the Badgers move to 1-0. Moving into another afternoon game, not much to break down here. Maryland 38, Townsend 6. The Terps with 449 yards of total offense to the Tigers 276. We were off, Jordan. We averaged. 55 points a game that we thought they would get. 38 is all they had. 
uh, we guess 505, I think it was, or 506, uh, Terps with 449 yards. I forgot. Every year I forget this. This is Locke's uh, alma mater. So he wants to throw him a check and get the win, but not run things up. I know. See, that's got to be on the game notes. We, we got to know that ahead of time. That would have drastically affected my numbers. <laughs> our, our intern in the game notes uh, definitely needs to improve. <laughs> For those wondering, there are no interns. It's yeah, yeah you're listening to together. the interns here. Um, uh, <laughs> Leah Tugabiola, about what you expect, uh, 22 of 33, 260 yards, three touchdowns. He looked thick. Looked like he put on a little weight. On the uh, offseason, rushing 36 carries, 166 yards. That's a 4.6-yard average. Methinks Maryland could have kind of named the score. I mean, they they got, off, they got out of sync a little bit in the second quarter. I don't know if that was just Locke saying, let's work on some things. I don't know if there's a ton to pull away from this game. Maryland fans upset with me that I should be ranking them a little bit higher. I'll do my power rankings at the end. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm going to need to see a little bit of step up in competition. This this in the end was just kind of what we were expecting for the most part. I do have one thing because I I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I didn't didn't fully watch this game. I had yep. it on here and there, scrolling yep. back and forth. But there was at one point where Leah was on the ground and he was hurt and yeah. he was holding his non throwing shoulder. They have got to keep him healthy. For you know, this offensive line has been the question, and I don't know whether you have to just protect him better there or protect him from himself. If this Maryland team can get to where this they think they should and could get to, he needs to be healthy. We know Billy Edwards is a good quarterback, but he's not what Leah is. And if he's hurt, you go from hoping and trying to get to 10 wins to maybe seven and five becomes your ceiling. So like I said, if I don't know if it's him having the, the hero complex and wanting to try to huh. make all these plays because he's he's spectacular at it, but but we need to keep him healthy, wrap him in bubble wrap, know. do what you yeah. gotta do. And the only other thing I'll say is the uniforms, the kits were nice. We need Ooh. to Maryland. Let's so let's not let let's not go. get back to the, like the terps, no. the script terps. Perfect, like it, love yep. it. Just keep it clean and simple. We don't need all the flag stuff. Like, I know it's the thing over there, and I'll probably get ridiculed for it. But the kits were on point for me. I really really liked them. Throwback uniform every now and then with the flags is fine. But yeah, this this is the kit. I'm with you there, man. I mean, I do think the backup is better than people think, but you know, Leah, I mean, right now, probably the, you, you could throw a second best quarterback in the big 10. And if that's the case, right. Need to keep them upright. But so that's definitely a great, you might story. have a couple fan bases coming after you for that one. Yeah. Well, he's in the running. He's in the conversation yeah. is what I would say. Yeah, yes. Okay. I would agree there. Uh, moving into Saturday night, we had two games. First game up Penn state 38. West Virginia 15, the Nittany Lions with 478 yards of total offense to the Mountaineers, 308. First things first, I had no issue with James Franklin scoring the touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, Younger Jeff, ironically, would have disliked this. Old cranky Jeff just doesn't give a shit anymore. These kids are, they're getting paid Stop. If you don't like it, stop it. I, that is just officially where I'm at. I'm not a James Franklin apologist. I can assure you of that. They're running the goofy freaking formation. I mean, it was it was what? Uh, 31 to seven late in this game going for two. And then you bitch. And when they turn around and score a touchdown, pound sand. You reap, you reap what you sow. You reap what okay. you sow. When you, when you see the Kansas City merry-go-round out there when you're getting blown out. Yeah. 
Nope, I'm with you 100. Okay. Also, not a James Franklin apologist. I'm all for it. You're you're all on scholarship. You all have the same job. If you can stop me, stop me. Not okay. not your own problem. All right, let's let's we'll put that one to bed real quick. All right, my take real quick, and then then you take it away. Um, I think this is actually an improved West Virginia team from last year, and Penn State still pretty much handled them in this game. Yep, I completely agree. I was I I thought West Virginia. Didn't look bad. Their offensive line was pretty solid. And yeah. Penn State made them look like they should. They made them look like an inferior opponent. Um, I, I hinted earlier that Wisconsin was my second most complete team. This is number one with a bullet, if you ask me. I mean, Penn State offensively moved the ball through the air and through the ground. Defensively, they looked fine. They looked fast. Um I did have like the, the question I had earlier in the year was the interior defensive line. That was about the only place yep. that West Virginia could have any success seemed like was in there. And that, you know, West Virginia is a solid offensive line. Yes. So that was the only critique that I had offensively, defensively for the Nittany Lions. It's an interior defensive line. We still got to yep. tighten that up a little bit because there is a team up the yeah, road that likes to run right there. Inch it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew Aller looked good. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. 21 of 29. Yeah, that would probably be the fan base that would jump all over me, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I would say <laughs> Drew Aller's got to give – we got to give a little bit more time. You know, this is his Completely first full fair. start. Leah, Leah, Leah's been doing it for a little while. But great day for Aller. 21 of 29, 325 yards, three touchdowns, no pick. Right away, beginning of the game, pass pro breaks down a little bit, as, as it will do. Steps up, just throws a dart down the field. Receiver makes a play. I mean, that was just a, what's up, folks? I'm here. I'm your five-star quarterback moment. Um, I don't think they asked him to do a ton. They kind of just asked him to do what they needed to do at the time. Seemed like he answered the bell to me. I mean, I, I as far as your first time starting out against a it's Power 5 team, okay, not a great Power 5 team or defense, he looked darn good. Um, uh Keandre Lambert-Smith, who I will now call KLS literally the rest of the season. Only four catches. He made the most of those four catches. Four catches, 123 yards, two touchdowns, including a 72-yarder. Pretty good passing attack for Penn State, I would I would say. Yeah, I, I all the take all the passing numbers and stats and everything with him and throw them out the window. I do not care what you mentioned with his pocket presence and stepping up and just looking and feeling comfortable in the pocket to me was more important than any pass he completed or any or anything else that he did. I wanted to see that composure as a young starting quarterback, and he he passed with flying colors. So we're not overreacting. I'm right. not anointing him with a Heisman Trophy or the Big Ten Player of the Year. No, I was I was impressed, and that's that's a good start. I said in the preview that I didn't want to see him come out and throw a couple interceptions. He alleviated all those concerns. So yeah. that's good. Now you take that and now you build and build and build and take a shot. And the Penn State has a shot at the season that they're looking for if he can continue to look and stay composed like he was. Uh, my guy, Perk, he had a good uh, stat dig 21 completions, 18 to wide receivers, only two to running backs, one to a tight end. You would think early on, you know, like they're going to do dump downs and check downs and stuff like that. They they didn't. They let him cook. With that being said, I don't know if this if it makes me weird. I still don't think he's like completely connected to the offense yet. Like I th- like crazy as That's it is. Scary. Like, That's scary. I know. Scary. I know. Rushing was good. 35 carries, 146 yards, 4.2 yard average. Neither of the two frosh like like 
pop. They were both great. You know, like they basically they I love how they they seem to be totally fine with, you know, uh, uh, whoever gets the most carries or whatever in the game. They don't care. They they, they were good. Uh, the defense was good. I think it could have been a little bit better. Garrett Garrett Green, West Virginia quarterback, uh, 16 of 27, 162 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He had 71 yards rushing. So the, the defense looked fine. I don't, that's not a, you know, I'm not saying anything bad here. I'm just saying, you know, West Virginia got some yards. They, they were moving the ball a little bit. Uh, but in the end, it was pretty much what we expect, the miraculous late cover for anybody that had Penn State there. And Penn State moves to 1-0. and All right, and maybe this was the Big Ten game of the weekend. Illinois 30, Toledo 28, the fighting Illini with 374 yards of total offense to the Rockets, 416. Illinois got down two touchdowns pretty late in this game. Not good. However, to try to use uh, Big Kurt colloquialism there. However, they did show a fight. It was a Beatle-led team that came back and won the game. They at least deserve credit for that. What did you see? Yeah, I, literally my first note was a, a lovey-led Illini team loses this game 10 times out of 10. But that's a Beatle win right there. That's what he is ingrained into this team to fight back and not quit playing. The one thing I'm really, really sick and tired of, and I've seen it all over social media and Twitter, is Illinois getting ridiculed for being in a game with Toledo, and people yeah. are just failing to realize this is a good Toledo team. I think this, so. It's a favorite in the MAC. I this team could legitimately win ten games, and Illinois showed the fight and resolve. Luke Altmeyer was fine. Yes, you know he took 211 yards, two touchdowns, had the one pick, the fourth and one throw. Huge. Boy, the yeah, we'll get the to that. On that throw is yeah. something else. And I saw a quote from him afterwards. He's like, oh, you know, I didn't really see a whole lot because I was kind of getting hit when I threw it. So it's kind of like a YOLO moment. But... It was. It was straight YOLO. That's exactly. <laughs> okay, you know what? Um, I was going to save that for like the grand finale. But dude, that fourth and one toss up was insane. I mean, so I'm watching that game with my older brother, my nephew, my dad, who was pretty much unconscious at the time. Um, that's a long day. It's a long day for grandpa. Um, totally uh, yeah, yeah. Long day for me, too. Um, and the game's over, right? You Like, fourth and one, you're like, boy, what are your odds, you know, to get this here? And then go down the field because they still need to score, you know, a touchdown uh, or a field goal, excuse me. Um, uh, and then when you saw the play develop, you're like, well, shit, looks like, you know, Illinois starting 0-1. And, and then they completed it. it insane. I mean... If this wasn't the game of the weekend, this was definitely the play of the weekend. That was that was insane. Here's so by the way, uh, uh, Luke Altmeyer, he, he looked good. Okay, eighteen of twenty six, two hundred and eleven yards, two touchdowns, and uh, one pick rushing. Th- this is insane. Nine carries, sixty nine yards, a seven point seven yard average from your quarterback. Our guy Kingfisher has dubbed him Lukey Legs. So we're- <laughs> We're going to go it. with that. He looked good, man. Lukey Legs was moving around very good. So my issue is this. I The offensive line had guys in and out and looked disjointed. The rushing attack outside of Lukey Legs was okay at times, but not, not consistent, okay? It was kind of meh, would you say? It was meh. Even more meh? This defense... Uh, okay, so shout out to Daquan Finn. Okay, that dude is 
an athlete, even when you have him bottled up, he gets to the outside extremely fast. Bielma knew, Beetle knew that this was going to be a problem. But, you know, so I, I, I just want to give him credit for just being an athlete. But I had more issues with the just the straight-up front seven of Illinois. This was supposed to be like one of the best front sevens in the Big Ten, certainly the Big Ten West. Our boys up front uh, were nowhere to be found most of this game. PFF, call it what you will, they weren't even in the top 15 for Illini players. I don't know. That's I'm a little skittish with what I saw because I was expecting Illinois to be defensively led. When you look that porous on defense, it 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 it, it causes me concern. Now let me let me pump the brakes here for you. A okay, bit. like we okay. said, we don't want to we don't want to overreact. Week one, and again, this Toledo. is a good Toledo offense. We I mentioned Daquan Finn, so yeah. Okay, I I agree that I'm, they they didn't impress the way they should impress. Like you expect guys like Johnny Newton to to own an offensive line, and you didn't see that. But yes, I'm not. I don't think I have as many red flags with it as what you're showing right now. Ooh, this might be, maybe it was maybe the difference in opinion between me and you here is solely based off the fact that I had a higher opinion of what Illinois front seven would look like in August than you did. So your drop off isn't as drastic as mine. Maybe that's what's going on. By the way, Kurt has a completely different take. He thinks her, his two stud defensive linemen were essentially in on the take in this game. <laughs> now, he freely had another gambling scandal that we need to start covering here. Is that what we're now? Much of that take was when he had what probably was a, a, a lot of Amador on Saturday night watching this game. So I, I don't I don't know how much that's going to you know, pull through for the rest, uh, you know, as time wears on. But long story short, it this, it it still needs to be, we like our quarterback, if I'm Illinois, the defense needs to rebound. Re- if the defense rebounds, it looks like it's supposed to season back on. They're going to have a big old test Friday night. Yeah, so I was going to say tough yeah. turnaround to go Friday yeah. night, shorter week, go out to Kansas, which is a good offense. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll learn some more. It's going to be an interesting breakdown for that. But hey, Illini fans, I'm not trying to not try to screw too much here. Okay. Just want to see it. Just thought it would look different, but you still move to 1 and 0. We had one game yesterday on Sunday, September 3rd, where only one team uh, pretty much showed up. Rutgers 24, Northwestern 7. The Scarlet Knights with 285 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 201. I swear it felt. <laughs> Worse, worse than that. Um, I I yeah. couldn't agree. With let's that. let's just go ahead and start with Northwestern. Though you know, well, this Oof. this is <laughs> oh boy. Like yeah. I I had a picture in my head how bad it could be and look. They cleared that hurdle, and it's not a hurdle you want to. Or maybe they went under the hurdle. I don't I don't I don't know how it goes, but that. That that is a limited team, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, you know, we talked about not wanting to overreact, and this one, this is the hardest one it's to hard. not overreact to because I watched a lot of football this weekend, and as far as Power Five team goes, I didn't see many teams that looked as inept on both sides of the ball as what I watched with Northwestern yesterday. It just there wasn't a whole lot of shimmer and shine anywhere. I mean, no, oh boy, could be a yeah. long season in Evanston. Kurt's yeah. smiling somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, um, 22 carries for 12 yards out of the offense. Um, ben Bryant got the start. Almost 
unbelievable. That's almost an unbelievable stat. It really yeah. truly is. Jordan, you and I almost had as many rushing yards as Northwestern <laughs> on Sunday. 20 of 35 for uh, Ben Bryan, 169 yards, zero touchdowns, and two picks. Um, now, flipping it over the other side. I, I tried kind of telling people I thought Rutgers would be better than the the perception of Rutgers shit inside the Big Ten, uh, definitely outside the Big Ten. This is a good defense. Okay, um, this is a good Big Ten defense. I don't believe it will be a good Big Ten defense versus really good Big Ten offenses. But if you can't bring some a couple things to the table against this defense, they'll make you pay right from the get go. They enforce their will, and and I I think this people will start to see this will be a pretty good defense, you know, through much of the season. Yeah. I- I agree. the the big The big thing I wrote down with their defense was it was solid. Yeah, you know, against and then I think that plays into part of the Northwestern offensive stuff. You know, they didn't let a mediocre Northwestern offense have a bunch of plays, and that's important when you're trying to change that perception, like you talked about. You have to take teams that you're better than and be better than them, and I think that's exactly what this Rutgers defense did. Uh, I have five over- sacks, eight tackles yeah. for loss two interceptions i mean that is that is just straight dominating right there um and then you know only allowing 201 yards of total offense i think a lot of that came kind of late in the game too i mean this was you know this was 24 to nothing ruckers shiano did kind of class it up and probably were like i feel sorry for your you know those kids it just kind of left like it could have been worse It, it, it they they Definitely could have shut them out. Uh, Gavin Wimsett looked better. Okay, 17 of 2963 yards, touchdown, no picks. Uh, rushed for 122 yards. It was kind of a slog to run the ball, so maybe Northwestern will be decent at just stopping the run uh, this year. But in the end, uh, it was the Sickos Committee game of the weekend on Sunday. Um, if you had Rutgers minus six, which maybe your boy did, you felt good about this, uh, but other than that, most people were shutting this game off pretty quick. Yeah, I was. I, I liked what I saw from Gavin Wimson. There was there's some underthrows yes. and stuff where you still see that kind of ob when you yes. get to the higher competition teams. Those can become a problem, but there's improvement. He looked better yep. than last year. He looked more confident, made better throws. So good sign. Progress and keep moving forward. Yep. Good start to the season for the Rutgers. I would say so. They should be very happy. With the win, Rutgers moves to 1-0 with the loss. Northwestern falls to 0-1. With my uh, stats for the weekend, um, I went, what did I go, 6-4 ATS, uh, 10-1 straight up. So profitable weekend, week one. A couple of them were close. It could have went the other way to have the more impressive 7-3, which, you know, that's that's really, but even six and four, I'll take that. Did you, did you stat yours up for how your picks went? I'm very happy to say I did not because it was not the okay. profitable week that you had. For me, the trend was if I won, I won big, and if I lost, I lost big. So okay, all right. Sometimes um, that's how it goes. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take week one. I'm gonna not overreact to it. I'm gonna improve, <laughs> and I'm gonna get better for week two. That's that's my goal. It's theme of the podcast folded that in well. Weekly Eisman. Uh, Throw a couple guys out for me. Yeah, so we, we kind of hit on a few of them throughout the week, but I'm going to nominate guys like Drew Aller, uh, the law offices of Malusi and Allen. Those guys were good. You know, LR or Aller. God, I always do that. Aller. Yeah, you'll get there. 
325 yards, three touchdowns. You got to talk about it. Malusi Allen, 298 yards, four touchdowns. Keandre Lambert-Smith, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Deion Burke from Purdue, two touchdowns, 152 yards. You mentioned Jay Higgins at Iowa. Anytime you get into that double-digit tackle, 16 tackles, you get a mention. But I think we both agreed when we talked about it that the Eisman for the week goes to Justin Wally and Tyler Newbin as a combo. Yeah. I think I'm going to let you explain it because when we talked about it, you really articulated it much better than what I could yeah, say. Yeah, it's just it's a theme, you know, that we've had on the podcast for the weekly Eisman. Um, I, I I told Jordan I'm putting him in charge of the weekly Eisman because when left up to Kurt and I, we, we were awful. Awful. We we bad like 500. We just forget half the time. So Jordan's going to hopefully head that thing up for me. Uh, but yeah, the theme essentially is big big. Uh, plays big performances in bigger games you know for an easy way to say it let's say one guy has 125 yards rushing against a really big team and another guy has 170 yards rushing against a not so good team we'll probably actually air to the guy that doesn't have as many rushing yards but it came in a big time competition this was a big 10 on big 10 game now some people might say okay how to how good are these two teams actually going to be i understand that but it, it was a big game either way because you had one team getting off to one no start and one so that is our weekly eisman uh right there a couple other notes that i have here um i will be doing these weekly these are my big uh power rankings so one two and three i got michigan penn state ohio state nothing changed there they they are still i'm going to put them up on a pedestal in their tier by themselves. The next tier down, I've got, what do I got here? Six teams, Wisconsin, Iowa, Maryland, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan State, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Uh, Wisconsin, the big mover up to Illinois, my big mover down. Illinois fans pissed at me for that. Uh, but uh, I need, I, I, I'm telling you, it weirds me out that they weren't a defensively led uh, team in that game. Michigan State is the one that I'm uncomfortable with at nine. They could be higher. Uh, I, you know, I've kind of got my eyes out on them. Next tier down is essentially the we didn't win our game uh, tier. 10, 11, 12, 13 is Purdue, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Indiana. Rutgers did win their game. I get it. But I unfortunately have to uh, take their competition into play with that. In their own tier, Two tiers down, a purposeful two tiers down at 14. I have Northwestern. So that would be yeah, the you might thing. have to just label that tier as Wolf. Yeah, it might just have to be the Wildcat tier for the rest of the year, unless the beatings will continue until morale improves. Um, another thing I want to point out the good version of the Big Ten commercial. Okay. You know, when they start out with the Rose Bowl. And they go across the continental United States, you know, and wind up in Rutgers and the Statue of Liberty. The good tune, they changed the tune up last year. Big Ten fans did not like it. I think the Big Ten Network heard us. Our voices were heard. It's the good song back. So I'm that's that's something that, that was good to see, which is good to offset the ridiculous Fox and Big Ten Network, the, the score, you know, the score bug. The score awful. bug. It's it's gigantic. Like, if, the, if this was a hat, if the score bug was a hat, it's the hat that chicks wear to the Kentucky Derby, where it's just ri- ridiculously, you know, oversized and decorated up. They get, they got to like, we're like talking about cinching stuff down. They got to, they got to cinch that down. They got to, they got to like take 30 to 40% size. Like if you could, you know, put it on and just shrink it 40%, that's, 
That's what they need to do. I didn't, I didn't like that. You at know, all. they're in they're in a TV contract together now, but NBCs and Peacock, very, very good. Clean, okay. small, yeah, nice. Yes, much, much better on NBC. So maybe we need to send them over and they can they can Fix work that. together on that a little bit. Yeah. Whoever the graphic person was for the score bug, we we need we need we need to address that. And then the last thing, um, great to see the SEC fall on their face. Uh this is a tweet from chris mauler at Vern funquist it's pretty good only three sec teams played a ranked opponent in week one all three lost all three lost by double digits by an average score of 16 points per game yikes hashtag it just means less uh and he has like a really good picture of brian kelly squinting uh to to couple that up Hey, you know, not not a good showing by the SEC. Now, here's the deal. Georgia is still amazing. Alabama probably still going to be extremely good. It's just that my opinion remains is that once you get off the top tier, the SEC becomes very much like most of the conferences out there. So we'll see um, exactly how that you know, develops for the for the rank, uh, rankings when we they come out here probably in a couple hours. Oh, I can tell you how it's going to develop. <laughs> LSU will fall two spots, and Florida State will just jump up ahead of them because they're both just so good teams now. And Florida Florida might even be ranked now after losing to Utah. And I got to give I got to give my guy Perk uh, uh, some more credit with this. This was a tweet. This was his tweet he put out uh, uh, as uh, Florida State was just deep pantsing LSU on national TV. How far in the polls will LSU fall this weekend? Spoiler alert, not enough, <laughs> which is exactly what we think. I mean, I mean, and the other thing I would say is certainly not a Florida State fan, but if we thought LSU was that good, right, fifth, and you beat them that bad, shouldn't Florida State be the first or second ranked team in the country? I mean, I don't necessarily want to move them in front of Michigan and Ohio State and whatnot, but... Who can you name that has a better ranked win in the season more than Florida State? I don't know. It's all about how you do your rankings. Some guys do it on preseason perceptions, but if you go by true ranking based on what you've done resume-based, Florida State's the best team in the country right now because they were the most impressive win over probably the the stiffest opponent. So I would say that. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, the ESPN basically has sole, you know, ownership of the SEC. And I don't know, it's kind of fitting that we're kind of getting towards the, you know, beginning and end of, of how these super conferences are going to go. Wouldn't wouldn't uh, hurt my feelings at all if the SEC faltered. So that's it. That's the total wrap up. Uh, that was a big fun weekend. Uh, obviously, we got a lot, of, a lot of games to break down. It winds up being a longer podcast, but uh, we're off and running, man. I mean, it like, and this is how the stages always go for me, Jordan. I'll probably talk on this more in the, uh, next podcast, but week one, it's always the same thing for me. Week one or almost always week one. I'm down in Iowa city. Don't get me wrong. Love being at the tailgate spot, seeing the the whole crew shout out to my guy, Dixter who couldn't make it had a tough weekend. Um, but uh, uh, it's fun. It's great to be in there. I love the energy, but that second weekend for me, maybe even better because now I just get to sit in my basement all day on Saturday and just watch football, but we're off and running, man. It is so great to have college football back. 
could not agree more. I am excited for the rest of this Big Ten season. And let's remember, we're not overreacting. No, we're no. going to take everything we in. We're going to learn. We're going to get better. And then we'll overreact next week because that's what we do as irrational human beings. Yes, and there's going to be some fun games to break down to see if the overreactions you know, uh, are, are warranted or not and if they'll get exposed. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.